wild story in the NBA as we get going here on Sports Talk for the next two hours, 30 minutes. Wow. Emi Odoka. Unbelievable. In fact, Peter Vesey, who joined us a few weeks ago on the show, um, I don't want I mean, well, to say he's a frequent guest. He's not uh, Jay Jaffe and Jeff Erickson, but Pete joins us uh, quite often. Here's what he said, and it was an interesting comment. He said, I could but won't waterlog a leather-bound book of married NBA and college head coaches and assistants, many in the Hall of Fame, who had affairs with women who worked for or were associated with their teams. I believe it. Um, it's happened everywhere. Everywhere. Leave it at that. You can draw your own conclusions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I mean, I'm, and I am talking college and pro. I'm not talking about uh, this building, although it, it happened in this building. But it wasn't. It wasn't a marital affair, because Duke Keith met his wife Mona when they both worked at the radio station. Love was in the air in the '90s in this uh, very, very uh, same radio facility years ago. That's a beautiful so, story. That's it had not, a good ending. Yeah, it had a nice ending. That's a happy ending. It, instead yeah, of, uh, Duke didn't get suspended a year without uh, pay. He, in fact, uh, they're still together now. They're still married. They had a few daughters together, and the daughters are now married. And Duke's a grandfather. And it all started here uh, almost thirty years ago when the two of them were at the radio station together and met. I guess uh, we can't say the same thing about Ime Udoka, who had a wife. Uh, he had a relationship that it wasn't allowed in the Celtics uh, organization with a female employee, uh, one that they hired within their, uh, you know, within their confines. And this is shocking news, Steve. I mean, they're they're just uh, you don't hear stories like this. Usually, no. it's like the NBA coming down on a coach for uh, violating some sort of rules that are going on on the court, um, and then they face a lengthy suspension. But this is an in internal suspension by the Boston Celtics. The league is not involved in this. No, that's true. That this is all about the Celtics and the Celtics way of uh, the Celtics way of life, I guess the best way to put it. So, I'm interested to see what happens now. Um, you know, especially if, if Udoka was so successful last year. By the way, this has never happened before. I mean, no one has ever seen a suspension like this uh take place. And I understand uh, the ramifications. I get all that. But it's not like what Emi Odoka did has never happened before. And that's the point. That's what's so strange about this situation. Really, really weird. Is what the a, best way to put it. What a weird offseason it's been for the Celtics. I mean, uh, first off, they signed somebody like Danilo Gallinari, and then he tears his ACL playing overseas, and uh, unfortunately they won't have him. Uh, I know they got Malcolm Brogdon on their team, who they're hoping that it's going to be a, a nice uh, a replacement for him, but not having their main guy, their head coach, uh, somebody who was a catalyst for them in their uh, quest to try to get another, hang another banner, win another trophy, win the NBA Finals. Uh, he won't be there with them this year, and uh, um, no, you know, won't. A lot of speculation has, has come around. There's been rumors left and right about, you know, Brad Stevens. Would he be willing to step into the mix? Would they be willing to hire Frank Vogel, the former Lakers head coach, as an assistant who'd help kind of co-lead the team this entire season? And there's also speculation hey, or, or kind of frustration on the Boston side. They lost their former assistant coach, Will Hardy, to the Utah Jazz. Remember Danny Ainge, former uh, president of basketball operations right. for the Celtics. He takes uh, Will Hardy away from 
from that organization. Now they're left uh, with Joe Mazzula, who is likely to become their interim coach right now. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So um, there's some interesting storylines, isn't there, in the NBA right now? There really is. So um, we'll see what happens. I don't know what Boston's going to do. And by the way, I mean, who wants a job for one year? And by the way, what if you win the NBA title this year? Then what do you do then? I mean, Odoka was so successful, but what if somebody comes in and takes the Celtics all the way? Then what happens? Yeah, that's why I'm I'm thinking they still uh, go within their organization, like somebody like uh, Missoula. Yeah, Missoula, of course, yep. and, and that's why that's what all signs are pointing to right now. I'm just curious if they're going to be interested to like hire a, an assistant coach, like a notable assistant coach that a lot of people know about. Um, and I'm also interested. I know the early signs say that no, Ime Odoka will not resign, but I wonder if. You know, time. You know, time will tell if that uh, holds true or if he decides to resign when this is all said and done. And you wonder: was he aware of team guidelines? Was he? Did he know the risk? Did he? Um, you know, not uh, choose to care. Who knows? I mean, that's the, that's the hardest part. Sometimes when love is in the air, you just you you, you don't know. Yeah, that's why I just keep it away from the business, right? Um, but uh, Udoka was uh, a remarkable first-year head coach with the Celtics. I-, I would just say this. Um, as far as somebody coaching for just one season, the NBA sees so much movement, especially when it comes to coaches. Uh, one day you're the hot next coach like Brad Stevens was just not too long ago, and the next day your entire organization is trying to run you out because they don't like the success you have on the court. Yeah, I know. I know it. It's pretty crazy. But that happened. And everybody thought when when, we, when the story first broke about Adoka, people were like, what did he do? What did he do to get a lengthy suspension? When Woj first broke it, he didn't have any of the details. Then Sharania was the one that was the one that first came up with the scoop that uh, he uh, was involved in a romantic relationship with uh, a female member of the staff. Now, you also wonder, uh, I mean, listen. We we've found out since that Odoka's married. We know he's you know this is something that happened. But um, do they condone just any kind of a relationship? In other words, if Odoka was single and he was dating somebody in, on the team, would that also constitute a a season long suspension? I don't know. That's a good question. I think there's a lot of detail. I mean, maybe we hear about this after the fact and we hear the details of why it's a year-long suspension. I guess um, face value, right? Like, it's not a hot take to say this seems just a little egregious from face value until we know all the details. Then we'll probably understand, oh, yeah, okay, the Celtics were probably justified in suspending him for a whole year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the truth. We don't don't have details. It's just first starting to break. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't. We have no idea what's going to happen. But anyway, it's a very interesting story as we get going here on the program today. Uh, we've got a lot going on. Jay Jaffe is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Then we've got uh, the folks from Dead Beach. They're going to stop by in about 35 minutes. They've got a big uh, food and uh, beer and wine fest coming up on Saturday we'll talk about. Then Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. He's coming on at 5. Jeff Erickson, 520. Oh, Yes. And Lane Frank will be back with us today in our Lubingo studios. And um, I got news for you, folks. Lane Frank could become a weekly, um, a weekly member of the show. He could very well be uh, joining us throughout the NFL season. He could become a 
you know, and, and a fixture for the next three, four months, Adrian. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm always pumped whenever Lane gets to come into our studios. He's fiery. He comes in with hot takes. Yes. I like it a lot. Like, he's very opinionated, but in all the good ways. Like, we need more of that here on the show. And from a 14-year-old, like, even better, right? I agree. And by the way, with Lane, we're not going to do college. Even though he loves college and he tells he's told everybody he's he knows more about college football than everybody. He didn't know more than Bernie last week. Bernie outpicked him. That's right. Yeah, I and you you tied now. with him. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's right. right. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do some NFL talk with Lane. I, I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. And uh, there's also gonna be potentially uh, the chance for listeners to get involved, which I'm also very excited about. Ooh, okay, great. I- we're gonna throw a little twist to this uh, to this party. That's all. Have a little fun here. So that's coming up in our six o'clock hour uh, on the show, and then Hags, and and uh, we'll wrap things up at about six thirty when we get ready for uh, Chihuahuas baseball. So yeah, we got a lot going on, a lot happening today. Uh, by the way, phone number is five zero five six zero zero nine. Yeah, we're open for business. Always open for business. Five zero five six zero zero nine here on Sports Talk. If you want to get in, we'd love to have you on. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to Jay. Jay was at Yankee Stadium yesterday hoping he was going to see history. He saw 14 runs and no bangers from uh, the one and only, number 99, Aaron Judge. He had hits, just didn't get uh, didn't hit any home runs yesterday. Yeah, maybe uh, fans will get a chance to watch it tonight. 5-15 first pitch. It's on Fox. It's a nationally televised game. Uh, Boston Red Sox versus the New York Yankees. And Aaron Judge with a chance to uh, make history against uh, their longtime rivals. One of the greatest rivalries in all sports for that matter. I mean, yeah, this is a must-watch. This is a must-watch kind of night. Um, I'm with you on that one. I'm excited. I am excited. All right. Um, meanwhile, we got a lot to cover on the show today. Let's take one call before we go to break and go to Charlie One. Here's Daniel joining us uh, first up today. Daniel, what's happening? Not much, Cappy. I got something for you. Okay, sure. Tomorrow when Boise State slaughters UTEP on TV, it's going to be ugly Monday. I'm thinking 15,000 season tickets are going to be turned back in wanting refunds. No, no, no. Let me let me ask you. I got a question for you. Are you a season ticket holder? No, but. So, no, I mean, no, but. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're coming on the show. You're talking about the slaughter. You're talking about 15,000 season ticket holders wanting refunds. And I just asked you, are you a season ticket holder? Let me, let me uh, follow up with a better question. How many? How long has it been since you've last attended a UTEP football game? It's been about ten years, but I. So how do you? So how can you come on, and rip them, and talk about them, and yet you haven't been to a game in ten years? How do you explain that one to me? I listen to the way you guys talk. We don't tell you to stay away. I'll tell you that much. We don't. We don't tell you to stay away. And if you listened to us last year, we were trying to get you to come watch this team play. Obviously, we didn't do any. We, we didn't do our job, Daniel, because we were trying to get people to come out last year. And you know, you haven't been out in ten years, so you didn't listen to us. You must not have listened to us too much last year. Look, you just paid hard-earned money to watch these clowns go zero and five, get ripped badly. Dana Dimmel says. We need to play opponent like Boise State and talks about his defense being good. 
That's crazy. Their defense has been good all year. Their defense hasn't been the issue. The defense is not why they're 1-3 right now. And if you're listening to us, you should know that. Appreciate the call. All right, look. You're going to come on here and rip them. At least tell me you've been to a game in the last 10 years. I mean, please. Come on. You're, you're better than that, Daniel. You can't call me and tell me that, you know, I'll doom and gloom. And then when I asked him, what was the last time you went to a game, he told me it's been 10 years? Seriously? It's like Augustine right there, man. Oh, Come my on. God. You know, it's like if you're going to be an aggregator to this, I mean, talk the talk, and, you know. I get it if you're a UTEP fan who's been there for year after year and you're frustrated, but if you're just trying to pick on UTEP, that's a different story. And he's not listening to us because if he was, he would know defense isn't the issue. It's the offense. Yeah, come We've been on. talking about the offense all year being the problem. I think the defense is solid. They've it's shown, kept them in games. Yeah, they've shown flashes of even you know where they were last year in terms of their overall defense. And considering Praise has not been nearly as dominant as he was over the last couple of seasons, and they don't have um, their starting linebacker, who's all-world right now, and Breon Hayward, uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good accomplishment right now. Look, here's the thing. I don't, if you want to come on and start talking about the slaughter and season tickets, giving your money, that's fine. But when I ask you, what was the last time you went to a game? Try to give me a better answer than at least more than 10 years. Just please lie, Daniel. Lie. You could have <laughs> said you went to the New Mexico State game even if you didn't. You could have lied to me. And I would have been, okay, fine. You went to the game. That's fine. But he could have said at least he got a nine dollar and fifteen yeah. fifteen cent ticket. Exactly, nine dollar and fifteen cent uh, season ticket, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, all that. That's a right. Season ticket for nine dollars and fifteen cents. So, but he was being honest. Sometimes being honest hurts. It does. All right. Appreciate the call. Jay Jaffe's next. He'll join us right after Charlie won here. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Twenty past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, talking with Jay Jaffe right now. Talk a little baseball, talk a little beer. Jay was at Yankee Stadium yesterday hoping to see history. He did see 14 runs. He just didn't see uh, the home run that he was waiting for. But he joins us now uh, live for our weekly chat here as we continue on Sports Talk. Uh, did you go as a media or did you go as fan yesterday? What, uh, what, which which uh, choice did you take? I went as a fan. I had we had tickets uh, as part of our as part of our partial season ticket group, and uh, oh, I nice. think this was my last. Uh, uh, my last one of those uh, for the year. Got to spend some time with a friend. Got to see something I'd only seen one other time uh, in my times going, and that's uh, a player hitting two home runs in one inning. Labor Torres did it, um, but uh, uh, not quite uh, the the momentous home run that I'd hoped for. Uh, Aaron Judge hit two big doubles that were both uh, figured in rallies, but uh, were uh, uh, anticlimactic nonetheless. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Glaber Torres, though, was it's kind of a strange season, isn't it? Because really, uh, he was not doing much of anything uh, for the first couple of months and getting criticized by a lot of fans. And I don't know, you tell me, has, has Glaber's numbers been um, been better in the second half? Or uh, really, has it been a disappointing year for the Yankee uh, shortstop? It's been it's been a real mixed bag. I mean, you look at his numbers from August 1st on, he's been below average uh, but you look from from September first on, he's been he's been well above average. His overall uh, WRC plus uh, uh, overall level of production is actually the best it's been since 2019. He's at 112, but uh, uh, it's still been kind of a disappointing season, um, despite the 23 homers. Just a lot of inconsistency. Uh, defense isn't really getting any better. 
Um, you know, it's it 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 is. Uh, uh, I think it's he's been he's been adequate, but he doesn't feel like the star in the making that he felt like a couple years ago. You also wrote about Yankee Giancarlo Stanton and uh, how you know he has not been good at all in the second half. In fact, you mentioned it, even even with the walk off uh, home run to win for the Yanks. Uh, he has been amongst the most unproductive hitters in the second half. Yeah, it's really you know you, the more you dig, the more the more his leg injuries start to show up. He's got a 139 batting average on balls in play since since uh, the the end of his first stint uh, on the injured list. Uh, that was for uh, a calf strain, one of one of several he's suffered in recent years, and uh, um, he has struggled to hit fastballs. He has. Uh, uh, his sprint speed is now down in the fourth percentile. It just paints a picture of a guy who physically isn't all that all, isn't all right right now, and maybe maybe was rushed back into into action uh, because the Yankees felt they needed him because he felt he needed to play. But um, you know the other the the grand slam to the contrary. I mean he's just he hasn't been any better since coming back uh, in late August. Uh, his numbers there. Uh, 127 batting average, 51 WRC plus. That's uh, that. That's not getting it done. No, it's not. It, it really isn't. We've said it before. Really, if you think about it, the second half of the season, uh, Aaron Judge has essentially been putting this team on his shoulders and carrying them all the way through. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's you know, if you look at, uh, I said this, I said this in my piece. If you look at um, going back to August 1st, which is about when the Yan- the Yankees. Uh, um, we're slumping. I mean, they've won 11 out of 15 since, so they're 24 and 24 since then. But only two other available regulars have produced at a better than average clip uh, over since since August 1st, besides Judge, and that's Anthony Rizzo, who's missed almost half of those games, but is back in the lineup now, um, and Josh Donaldson, who's missed a few games in there as well. Uh, it has just been. Uh, a struggle to find productive hitters. Now, like I said, Torres is heating up. They just got Harrison Bader off of the injured list. Um, finally, uh, uh, to to uh, uh, so they can see what they've got from the other side of that uh, much criticized Jordan Montgomery trade. Um, Oswaldo uh, Cabrera had a had a big home run last night and uh, uh, has shown some some signs of being an interesting player, if not necessarily an above average one. But it has just been a grind for them, and and. Uh, uh, it doesn't really bode well uh, as they look towards uh, the next phase of the season. Tell me this. Uh, Aaron's 30 years old now. He's like 30 and a half, basically. Do you think he gets a $300 million contract after the year, like uh, your colleague uh, Dam Samborski wrote about uh, on Fangraphs? Yeah, I, I'm skeptical the Yankees will go that high. I I just think that it's such a risk to to go that high. Um, I don't really know who's going to bid against them. Um you know, like I, I think it's the the Giants are about the only West Coast team that really makes any kind of sense or has payroll room. When you think about the Padres having Tatis and Machado three hundred million dollars deals, uh, the Dodgers having Mookie Betts already on a three hundred million dollar deal, and Freddie Freeman uh, on a on a large deal, and needing to come up with a shortstop if they don't re-sign Trey Turner. Um, the Angels, I think, with with have their hands full keeping Trout and Otani. Um, you know, the Mariners. Uh, I'm not sure that they can they can go uh, 300 million on on Judge when they just signed uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez to that long term deal. But uh, 
so I don't know. And, you know, there's rumors that the Red Sox might make a run at him. The Mets could certainly make a run at him. Um, I think that's the competition, but uh, uh, I don't see the Yankees as losing him to the Mets because I think they'll spend uh, above what's reasonable if that's, if that's the alternative. But I don't know if it gets to 300. So my question is then, what if the Yankees go – I'll just throw a number out there. What if they go seven years, 260? So it's an average – that would yeah. be an average annual of a, a little over $37 million, which would be uh, $37 million, which would be number two in baseball behind Scherzer. Yeah, I think that's possible. But I think it's more likely that Judge is likely to push for long, for – for a longer contract uh, and, and get that as close to 300 as possible. Yep. That would actually help the Yankees in some ways because uh, it spreads out the average annual value for luxury tax per- purposes, which, sure. uh, um, you know, they're, they're, they're always uh, running up against that. Um, so, I, you know, you look, they've, they've done some deals like the DJ LeMahieu one and the Aaron Hicks one, not nearly as, um, as lucrative, but uh, they've spread out you know, a few expected strong years across uh, longer contracts, six years for LeMahieu, seven years for Hicks, um, in order yeah. to, to uh, reduce the hit uh, on their on their tax. And I get it. I just know also that, I mean, Judge is 30. Do you really want to have him under contract till he's 40? Because you don't want to ever put yourself in a situation where you can't move the player. That's the, that's the, the ultimate nightmare scenario. Unless they suddenly find the fountain of youth like Albert Pujols has in the last two or three months, and suddenly you think he's 29 again. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a hard to reckon with for you know when you're talking about a star player but the Yankees they you know they're uh they they feel that uh judge gives them things beyond just uh immediate performance that there's marketing value to him um that he's got that kind of Jeter-esque quality about him that uh uh you know will make him an icon I I don't know that there's a good answer for for how to handle this um except that you know it's not my money and uh uh it's not going to affect uh um, you know what, how how I get up at the end of the day, uh, sure. or the beginning of the day, and I, it, it may disappoint my daughter if he leaves, though, because uh, she is all in on Aaron Judge, and she's got a, a, a night shirt that she's wearing, and she said she said I'm wearing I'm going to keep wearing this one um, in hopes that he that he keeps hitting more home runs. I so, wonder, uh, by the way, is this the greatest season as far as walk years in baseball history? Could we ever see a better year in a contract year like this? Well, you know, Barry Vaughn was a free agent heading uh, heading into the 2001 season, and he had 73 home runs. Now, free agency <laughs> worked a little bit differently then. Yep. He actually accepted arbitration, which bound him to go back to the Giants uh, it's at mo- at worst on a one year deal, but he ended up working out of a five year ninety million extension there. So I don't know that you can say that Judge had the had the best walk here. Zach Greinke with that one something ERA. Oh yeah, that was great. Uh, a few years ago, got two hundred million uh, from the Diamondbacks on that. That was pretty great. So I don't, th- you know, and this is certainly up there. Um, it's one of the great seasons in baseball history. Full stop. Um, you know, it's, especially if he if he if he pockets the triple crown as well as getting the uh, uh, at least the the AL record for home runs here. So, um, just a remarkable season. And uh, yep, um, at Fangraphs we have him already uh, uh, up above ten wins. I know he's closing in on 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 that on Baseball Reference too. 
pretty wild. All right, more with Jay as we continue, plus his beer pick to wrap it up. But first, let's go to Adrian right now and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much. As we continue our conversation with uh, Jay Jaffe uh, here from Fangraphs. By the way, as promised, Jay wrote about Trace Thompson uh, last week. And as promised, he mentioned the Chihuahuas in the article. So, Jay, good job there. I'm happy you stuck with Thompson. I'm happy you gave uh, the Chihuahuas a little plug in that. And uh, that has been a a fun year to watch uh, what he's been able to do. It is. You know, he comes from such an impressive athletic family with his father being an NBA star and his his, – uh, brother Clay being uh, a superstar, um, you know, teams have always seen some potential in him. Uh, and when he came to the majors first in 2015 with the White Sox, and then in 2016 with the Dodgers, after being involved in a three-way trade, um, he hit well. But then he hurt his back and developed some bad habits. And spent uh, several years trying to uh, get another opportunity, and it didn't really come uh, until late last year with the Cubs. Uh, when he had a nice uh, September outburst of power, and uh, uh, the Dodgers were interested enough to bring him back, and um, after uh, uh, the both the Padres and Tigers uh, let go of him earlier this year, and he has uh, taken that opportunity to run with it to the point that he's probably going to be starting playoff games for them, either in left field or center field, at the expense of uh, um, somebody like uh, uh, Cody Bellinger or Joey Gallo or other guys who just haven't really seized the opportunity. Speaking of Bellinger, you know, three or four years ago, he was considered one of the best players in the game of baseball. You think about how far he has fallen off the map since that uh, big, big year he had with the Dodgers. That is one of the uh, that is really one of the most significant collapses we've seen of a of a young phenom in a long time. Yeah, the shoulder injury, I think, has a lot to do with it. If you remember, he actually uh, ripped up his shoulder celebrating during the 2020 postseason. Um, he's still uh, an excellent defender in center field, and that's been one thing that's kind of kept him in the lineup. But uh, he has searched high and low uh, to try to get uh, a comfortable stance that uh, um, by which he can be productive. But he just can't do everything that he used to be able to do, and it's it's been tough to watch at times. Uh, you know, yep. he'll have stretches where he's got great at bats and uh, we saw we saw in the postseason last year but uh too often he's just uh, uh up there and it seems like he doesn't have a clue before we get your beer pick of the week i know you didn't write about it but uh, give our listeners uh just a, a little uh, summary about uh, the great maury wills who uh, we lost at the age of 89 earlier in the week yeah, Wills was a guy who who uh, really kind of revived the art of the stolen base uh, with the Dodgers. He spent a long time in this in their system, uh, waiting to get his shot, waiting for Pee Wee Reese to retire. Came up in in late 1959 and was kind of a spark plug there. Helped the Dodgers to three championships in in uh, uh, in a, a six year span there: 59, 63, 65. Uh, Stole 104 bases in 1962, which was more than some other teams. Great bunter, great fielder. Um, did not uh, sustain his greatness long enough, really, to have a strong shot at the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was on the ballot last fall um, up against guys like Minnie Minoso and, and uh, uh, Dick Allen, and uh, couldn't break through. And uh, um, unfortunately, it was uh, you know it was his, uh, was his last time. Um, he had uh, he had some some problems post career 
with with uh, with substance abuse, but he seems to have gotten out of that um, okay. Uh, I used to enjoy seeing him. I would go like both times I went to Dodger Town, 1989 and 2003. I saw him uh, instructing uh, young players in bunting, and even once when I went to Ogden in 2010, there he was uh, instructing uh, young Ogden Dodgers uh, in bunting as well. So he seemed to turn up in some places, and it was always pretty cool to see that uh, he remained with the organization or he returned to the organization and. Uh, um, could pass along some of his wisdom. No doubt. Seven-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ, NL MVP in that 62 season, stolen base leader six times. Again, you just say to yourself, had he been able to sustain a little longer, he could have seen uh, Cooperstown. No doubt about it. All right, finish it up. Beer pick of the week. What are we talking about today, Jay? All right. This was an oldie but a goodie that uh, showed up at Yankee Stadium last night, and I was happy to find it again. Uh, Anchor Steam. Uh, our old friends from San Francisco, they're the Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, this is their their uh, California steam beer. Uh, it is a lager that's made in the style of an ale with a warmer fermentation process in uh, shallow open-air fermenters, uh, style that goes back over a century. Um, compared to the other uh, beer, beers uh, available at Yankee Stadium, this is... Uh, uh, one of the best, and it was nice to find it, even if it did cost a pretty penny. All right. Good for you. I've had that before, too. That is good beer. I'm happy you enjoyed that. And uh, as always, appreciate the time. I'm hoping by the time we come back with you next Wednesday, maybe we're talking about a couple of uh, great records being broken. Yeah, sounds good. Let's hope so, Jay. Take care. Okay. Jay Jaffe, Weekly Chat here on Sports Talk. Speaking of beer. Uh, The folks from Dead Beach will be dropping by next. We'll find out what they're going to be up to this Saturday, so stick with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Hey, it's about time you start playing some Jethro Tull on this show. Can't believe it's taken this long. Adrian, the more you listen to them, the more you'll appreciate them. All right? it's I know they, they like... This was like, these guys are popular when your dad was a kid. But I'm telling you, uh, you get listen to this music, you'll get hooked on it. I just, I've got Jethro Tull live in Madison Square Garden in 1978 in my, uh, in my car, and it's fantastic. Sweet. So, uh, you know, yeah. um, my dad's a huge Jethro Tull fan. Good, I've, I, I grew up pretty much on Jethro Tull. The right. reason I didn't put him in the rotation, we had a lot of live stuff from KLAQHD2. Now we've started to get more of those deep tracks. It seemed like kind of like over the there past couple months. So, nice. Yeah. That's good. All right. We've got... Uh, uh, Veronica Hernandez here with us from Dead Beach. You, you ever heard of Jethro Tull before this song or no? Sure. No, huh? No. They play flutes. There like, you it's go. like rock rock with flute. Ian Anderson <laughs> is it's awesome. It is so cool. I'm telling you, there's so much music in this place. It's ridiculous. Um, you are back with us from Dead Beach Brewery. You've got a big festival coming up on Saturday. Uh, before we talk about the Borderland Food, Wine, and Beer Fest, catch me up on what we've missed over the summer and some of the things that you guys have been doing out there at Dead Beach. Sure. So we are so excited as usual. Um, we have a ton going on, just like everybody else. Um, but really, we, we've we uh, tapped into UTEP, if you will. We mm-hmm. have our beer out at all the games. We're super excited for the Boise game tomorrow. So if you're out there, make sure you look for Dead Beach beer. Um, the Rhinos are also kicking off their season that's happening this weekend if I'm not mistaken and we are at the Rhinos games as well Um, a bunch of events over the summer so yeah there's a lot going on what kind of dead beach beer is at the Rhinos and at uh, and at UTEP so fans are going to be there what can they enjoy sure so normally out in the market um, especially at the the stadiums we have our Chiwa Hef which is our Hefeweizen our traditional Hefeweizen Um, and we also have our Chuko Lager which is our light American Hellas Lager Um, so those are our kind of our intro beers if you will they're going to be liked by you know people 
people who may not know craft beer or are just trying us out. Um, but then again, if you go to different restaurants around town, you'll find our seasonals, um, like our uh, calabaza. We also have our IPA and things of that nature, you know, at restaurants and partners around town. Could we ever see like a Dead Beach bar at UTEP where eventually you guys set up to where you have six or seven or eight beers on tap instead of just a couple because you continue to grow like that? Yeah, so I, I, we hope so. I know that our plans in terms of, you know, being a part of the party patio will include, you know, expanding and trying to get more um, variety out there, if you will. And really what we're waiting for is our, our canning line to get started. So as soon as we can get those cans um, out in the market, it's going to allow us, it's just so much easier to get the different varietals out there. So so when is the canning line coming? Because now that you've thrown that out there, our listeners are <laughs> like, all right, Veronica, you've let the cat out of the bag. When are we getting cans going around here? We are so close. So before when we just kept saying it's coming, it's coming, um, I can at least now say the light is there at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we are super close. Um, I don't have a date to tell you quite yet, uh, but at the same time, um, things are very, looking very, very good. They're coming together. If I was a betting man... Should I bet for end of 2022 or early 2023? Uh, let's say end of 2022. Just for fun. Yes, That's it, fair. It's, it's really close, you know, and as soon as we do have a date put together, obviously we, we're going to let the public know we want people to come by. We'll have tours available and things of that nature. So we're, we're ready to get started. We've been itching for it for such a long time. And now finally construction starting to come to an end and all of our processes are getting in place. Can we ever see a UTEP beer like Pater Pete's Pilsner or something like that that happens? You know, we are working um, with UTEP and hopefully uh, we can do something. You know, we have to go through a lot of hoops, if you will, to be so able to get heard. through that. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. First ever Borderland Food Wine Beer Festival. Veronica Hernandez with us right now. Free admission. Uh, tell me, is this a beer event or is this a culinary event? So we are focusing on the food this time around. Um, so it's a little bit of, of both. Um, and, and not to forget the wine. So it's Borderland Food, Wine, and Beer Festival. Mm-hmm. And really what we are doing out there is showcasing some food. Um, we are also going to be having some different types of wines um, from around you know we've partnered up with Victory we've also partnered up with St. Clair Um, so all sorts of different types of wines out there so people can taste and and, you know have a good time Um, and then of course we'll have Dead Beach beer and some guest beers and music, uh, will it be the usual type of rock, or are we going to do something different? We are going to do something a little different. This time you'll find uh, some jazz, borderland jazz, if you will. Um, we are going to close out the evening with Billy Towns and have Love some. Him. Yeah, we, he's awesome. And we do also have uh, a Billy Free on the stage. She'll close out as a DJ. And so we have we have a lot of really cool kind of different things going on for this one. Now, this event starts at, uh, start at 3 on Saturday or 2? At 3 o'clock. So we are starting at 3, and this event has a little bit of a different agenda if you will you know i know sometimes or if you've gone to our events it's kind of it's open and it's it's ready to go this time we're focusing it a little bit differently so from three to five we're going to do what we're calling our social hour where um you know the vendors will have a few items available for from their menus so people can choose from Uh, anyone can go around and start getting beer and wine the music gets started right about that time as well so we can you know we get everything started including the chef demonstrations um and then what happens at five o'clock is we're going to start what we call the grand tasting so that is going to be a featured um, menu dish item that people, or I should say our vendors, are going to focus on during that time. Okay. And then the general public can vote for their favorite one. Um, and the winner gets to take home $2,500 of the restaurant. That's a cool so, prize. Yeah, they're, they're excited for it for sure. So, How many yeah. different chefs are we talking about here? 
Um, so on our chef demo stage, we have four different chefs. Uh, we have Chef Lugo from EPCC. Very nice. Uh, we have uh, Chef Jason over from over at Hotel PDN. Um, chef Ruli from right next door, Ruli's International. And we also have uh, Chef Jason Hunt, which is our own executive chef. Um, and they're each going to be doing an executive, excuse me, a demonstration um, where they'll show, you know, a little bit of what they got and teach the public some cool stuff. I like that. And then they're all competing for the $2,500 prize. No. So they are actually going to... To be um, demonstrating and going throughout, but the competition will be from the food vendor tents from throughout the festival. How so, many of those food vendor tents uh, are we talking about? We've got five different ones as well. Nice. Um, so we have Love on Board, we have Get Together, uh, Dom's Cart, we have Hotel PDN, and then of course Dead Beach will be out there as well with the, with the huge festival menu that would be really awesome. So. Okay, but is Dead Beach allowed to compete or no. they are because it's a Dead Beach event, they're not allowed? Yeah, we're, we're stepping away from the competition portion of this. Um, obviously, at our, you know, we didn't think it would be really cool to by all our friends and then beat them. No, just kidding. Um, but really try to take away any votes in general. So it's good for them to to focus on our guests. Awesome. I love that. I love the fact you're bringing uh, Chef Lugo. I haven't seen Chef Lugo in probably the last three, four years. So that's phenomenal. Maybe I have to try to get back there and check them out. Yeah, on you should. I, I mean, honestly, everybody that has been able to, I mean, right now the food and restaurant industry is, they're going through it, man. I mean, we're, we're a part of it as well. You know, there's been hurdles with uh, staffing, hurdles with sourcing food and things of that nature. So we're really happy that those people who have come out to support us for this first time event um, are bringing their all, including Chef Lugo, who actually also extended his hand and allowed us to have some of his culinary students come out and, and be a part of it too. You ever had dinner at the culinary school? Um, I did, but it's been a couple of years. It was so good. Yeah, it was I'm so good. Uh, after party, 10 to midnight, what's going to happen there? Yeah, so 10 to midnight, we'll focus more, a little bit more on a couple of uh, uh, dessert vendors that we'll have out there. Um, we will still have some food going, um, but really it's more about kind of closing out the evening, having a DJ on the stage, um, and then uh, having the food, uh, excuse me, the wine available and beer as well. So it'll kind of end the evening out in a nice little upbeat, if you will. And the way this works is it's going to be ticketed. So even though it's free to get in, if you want, to eat or drink, you can buy those tickets and then use those tickets for either beer, wine, or food. Yes. So it is a free admission, all ages event. Um, so anyone can come by. Uh, obviously, if you are going to drink any alcohol, make sure you bring your ID. We do card everybody. Um, and what happens is it, it, you buy your tickets, each menu item, beer, wine, uh, or food, it ranges between two, three, maybe up to eight tickets, depending on what they're serving. Um, and so you can taste a little bit of everybody's uh, food items. And really, you can purchase those tickets in advance. If you've been been to our festivals before you know we have quite a bit of people right now those tickets are available on eventbrite where you can purchase them in advance get into the festival through a fast pass lane and really it's not an admission fee you just get to buy your food and drink with that Oh, that's nice. So essentially, it's one. It's like a one-price deal. You do it, and then you don't have to keep going as you go along. You can just eat and drink to your heart's delight. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. That sounds awesome. And then go get yourself an Uber ride home, and you're all set and good <laughs> to go, set, right? Yes, or stay downtown. We have plenty of hotels down there. How many people are you expecting for Saturday? Um, so our last one, we did reach quite a few, and we're hoping to see a few thousand this this time around. Um, you know, come out. Make sure you, you, you're ready for a nice warm evening. Um, but then once that sun comes down, it's, it's going to be beautiful. Easiest way, go to deadbeach.com. Just click the link to Borderland Food, Wine, and Beer Festival, and you're all set. Yes, sir. 
Make it easy. I like that. Um, by the way, uh, I know we talked a little bit about the canning, which is uh, coming. I'm excited about that. Um, will we start to see Dead Beach, not just all around El Paso, but in other cities and other markets as well? Yeah. So right now, we've crept into Abilene and Marfa already. Good. Um, but we are planning to take our, obviously, next few steps within our state um, to go into different cities, such as, you know, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas area. So obviously, um, giving that love to Texas um, and trying to expand our wings in this area, but then, of course, reaching out into New Mexico, um, you know, the New Orleans area, and going into all sorts of different spots. So, yeah, we're, we're expected to be in a few different states in a few years here now. Terrific. We'll see you at the game tomorrow, and uh, see you Saturday. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Thank for the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's Veronica, folks, from Dead Beach Brewery. Come back with our number two. Lee Sterling next as Sports Talk continues. Start of hour number two on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Always excited we can bring this man back with us, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, for another week. Lee is ready to go. He is back from his trip to College Station where he watched Texas A&M beat his beloved Miami Hurricanes in a close football game. How was uh, coming back to the Lone Star State, Lee? Um, I, I had a great time. I mean, I had some great bar. So there's a guy named John Lopez, radio host in Houston. Familiar okay. at all with him? I am familiar with John. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So he has his own barbecue sauce, kind of mixture between smoky and sweet, but it's not too thick. It's incredible. So he invited me to a tailgate, and he makes a paella. And every game, he got some shrimp. He went. Um, he lives in Houston, so he went to the he went to, to the coast, and he ended up getting some shrimp. Huge. I mean, this paella, one of the best I've ever had. Oh. Uh, Pulled pork, uh, sausage. Um, he had some Spanish, so no, southwestern corn, and then his wife made a, key lime, a couple key lime pies. I had oh two and a half platefuls, biggest plates I've ever seen. Yeah, they. I ate at four thirty in the afternoon. Game started at eight there. I didn't eat again until two o'clock when we got home back to Austin. Um, it was that good, but I just think the experience was incredible. People were nice. I mean, to watch the core, 3,000 member core in the band just march into the stadium, something to behold. So I'm glad I finally did it. Did you watch the game as a, as a fan or did you have other access? Where were you? Um, About 40-yard line, 23rd row. Oh, beautiful um, seats. That's yeah, great. Okay, Seats were great. Um, I like to see it because I was able to see, you know, when you watch TV, you can't see what kind of separation the receivers get. Um you can watch and see a little bit better, see how guys set up. You can watch the play calling, yep. see how they're getting that in there. Um, I think I got a pretty good handle on both teams after watching that game. So got my money's worth. Unfortunately, my team didn't win. How do you compare Kyle Fieldhouse to DKR? DKR as well. Daryl K. That's, Royal, Texas Longhorns. Oh, um, Jeez much almighty. Louder. Come on, much, Lee. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, much, much louder. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I still think of Joe Robbie stadium. I don't think of it as pro player stadium or uh, I think yeah. they even had another, another name for hard rock, but um, much louder. I mean, everyone okay. stands the entire game um, like everywhere else. They pipe in, you know, some music, but um, I think Miami, the players were a little intimidated. You saw the receivers, you know, um, not, I don't know if there was any illegal procedures. If there were, there was just one. 
but I think the the receivers were intimidated. I got you. All right, let's yeah. jump right in. We got five games this week: three in college, two in the NFL, plus your game of the week, which uh, we'll get started uh, later tonight. Start off first with Oklahoma, Kansas State. Oklahoma twelve and a half point favorites over K State. I've watched a little Oklahoma this year, especially the UTEP game and some of their other contests. Uh, give me your take on these two. So everyone was is excited about Jeff Levy. I mean, doing a really nice job with the offense. They're really starting to go, come together, and they look great. I mean, after they fell behind 7 nothing, 48 straight points. Um, but the defense with Ted Roof, I, I just thought the game plan was spectacular. Their kids are playing at a high level. And these kids are being coached up for the first time in a long time. Defense has been atrocious. But um, saw something special out there. And Nebraska is a pretty good offense. They've got some talent. They've got quarterback who's pretty good, running back, and they just shut them down. Um, I think Oklahoma going to – I mean, we're finding out that Adrian Martinez, this is what he's all about. can't throw the football. And when you're limited, you're not going to be able to move the ball against Oklahoma. Romper room special. Oklahoma big, 47-20. You know what, though? I'm interested to see Deuce Vaughn against the Oklahoma defense, aren't you? Right. I am, too. I think that'll be an interesting matchup. Problem here for them is if they can't throw – they're going to load the box, mm-hmm. and it's going to be tough. So um, the last three games have been really tight, touchdown or less, but this might be the game that's a blowout. I'm with you on that one. Let's go to the yeah. next one on the list, and that's going to be the Longhorns and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Texas minus six and a half. I've seen it as much as seven so far. Um, you know, you got B. John Robinson, Hudson Card, and the Texas offense, but Texas Tech has Donovan Smith, who's got seven touchdown passes all uh, this season. You've got uh, Jaran Bradley, who's one of the better receivers. Uh, are we talking about a uh, an offensive slugfest with these two teams? Probably. The problem here, though, with Texas Tech, I don't know if they can keep up. I mean, Smith is just so hot and cold. You know, that pick six really hurt them last week. And he has trouble reading defenses. And, um, you know, whether he plays from ahead, you know, he had the lead a couple weeks ago in their game. And, and they could barely hold the lead against Houston. And then, you know, playing from behind, you know, he struggles. I mean, I, I just don't I think he's a backup. He's a career backup. And... You look at Texas here, even with Card limping around, um, they've got the best player in Robinson. And run defense for Texas Tech is just not good, and they can't run the ball. So I know it's going to be sellout. Probably the last time they ever play in Lubbock. I mean, the only two times they've sold out in the last, I think, five, six years is when Texas came to town here. But they're going to have to uh, win the battles at line of scrimmage more. And right now they haven't proven they can do it. I like Texas here. I think they win this game here, something like 38-28. That takes us to Boise State and UTEP tomorrow night. That'll be our final uh, college game. Boise's 2-1, and one, UTEP's 1-3. and three. Miners are reeling after that loss in Albuquerque last week to New Mexico. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Boise State walloped UTEP a year ago. I know the Miners uh, want revenge this time around. I don't know if you know this. Gavin Hardison has the most passing attempts in all of Division One FBS at this point. It is a crazy stat. But nonetheless, the Miners come into this one 15-and-a-half-point dogs, Lee. So if you listen to Boise Radio, you would think that Boise right now is 1-3. and three. I mean, they are roasting the offense. You know, they're spoiled. You know, they've had so many great years in a row, and, you know, the quarterback is struggling. They're looking to make a change. Um, 
I think I think Brooke might think he's going to hold the job for a little while longer. Um, it's a combination of everything. I don't think the play callings is good. Offensive line isn't what it used to be. Um, their running back's okay, um, but receivers, they don't have a, a stud receiver. They just don't have an edge to them. I mean, they're not getting – and they're not developing kids like they used to, but they're still – I mean, they're a better team here. And then when UTEP falls behind – we see what happens, you know, just they can't they can't make it up quick here. I like Boise. I think they win this game here. Forty two seventeen. That'll keep uh, the fans and that'll keep the, the the fans in Boise happy for another week. Right. 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 Um, and then special teams also. UTEP's had I mean, Boise wins a lot of games, special teams. Um, if UTEP can, you know, play them even there, they've got a chance to keep it closer. But special teams is. Certainly costs a lot of teams when you go to Boise and play on the blue turf. Well, this one's in El Paso, so we'll see if uh, oh, things change. But, think, yeah. uh, but, yeah, uh, right. but honestly, that's the right. way this game is going, it might not. We'll see if it matters. Right. We will see. So, all, all right. right. Uh, meanwhile, let's go to the NFL, Lee. Lee Sterling with us, ParamountSports.com. Buffalo, Miami is next up. Bills are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They're both 2-0. and Buffalo looked incredible on uh, Monday night. And Miami had that ridiculous fourth-quarter comeback to beat uh, Baltimore, which was one of the great arrivals of uh, Tua Tagovailoa, who was terrific in that one. Uh, you tell me, despite Miami hosting the Bills, Buffalo right now looks like the best team in football, Lee. They do. And I think what surprised everyone is their front seven on defense. I, I We all know about Josh Allen. We know about his receivers. Um, we know about the back end. But the front seven – stopping the run and also putting pressure on the quarterback. They just ramped it up to a different level. Now Miami's going to have to hit on some big plays, but Buffalo might have the best two safeties in football, the best uh, tandem in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So that could create a problem here for Miami. Uh, I don't think Miami can just take their time and move the ball down the field and they've got to either score or eat up clock uh, and move down and kick a field goal score almost every time to, to just hang with Buffalo. In fact, two times that they played, um, they've outscored them last year, 57-18. So I think Miami's getting better. At least they're exciting now. But uh, I think the right team's favorite here. Buffalo, 34-24. All right, that takes us to our final game, the yeah. Packers and the Bucks. This one's in Tampa. Tampa Bay is 2-0. and uh, Green Bay is 1-1, and although the Packers handled the uh, – uh, Bears quite easily on Sunday night. Uh, I've seen this as I've seen this at even money right now. I've seen it even across the board. We're going to play it though the way it was. Tampa minus two at home. Lee, uh, a lot of people are, are a little concerned right now about Tom Brady with all the injuries racking up. Aaron Rodgers looked very good last week with that offense. Give me your thoughts. Well, you didn't mention the the midweek uh, sessions that he has with the therapist trying to save his marriage. <laughs> he left that out. Um, <laughs> seems like all's not going well uh, on the home front here. Now, no Gronk this year. That's his safety valve. Down four starters on the offensive line. They played Dallas that opening week, and Dallas looked terrible. Um, New Orleans was right there, and then they just weren't patient. They were patient for another drive or two. think they could possibly have won that game. And now, no Mike Evans, suspension possibly no Chris Godwin and also no Julio Jones. So I think he's limited after that week one game. I think green Bay has really come on. Um, they look like the team we thought they'd be. I don't think they have any holes on defense. I think there, it looks like they might have their entire offensive line back for this game. And they might have the best one, two tandem at running back. And even uh, Aaron Rodgers 
starting to get some chemistry with the young receivers here. Wrong team favorite. I like Green Bay here, 27-20. You go to ParamountSports.com. You can check all of Lee's uh, predictions on all the games this weekend. Plus, he's got a six-week deal that uh, you got to hear to believe, folks, and that's all up at ParamountSports.com. Yeah, we we normally have four weeks for three ninety seven. I was in a good mood, uh, put it to five weeks. And one of my buddies here at the office goes, "Make it six. Why don't you go to the end of October?" Um, he said, "Make it a scary good promotion." So uh, we'll go with that. Six weeks, just three ninety seven. We've won five out of six weeks. Went nine and three last week. Seven and three the week before. Don't wait. Check out all the specials. Go online, ParamountSports.com. And uh, you've also got the Thursday night game available for people in the game of the week, don't you? Yeah. Uh, Game of the week this week. uh, Like it a lot. Cleveland-Pittsburgh tonight. You want to get that game for free? Call right now. We'll give it to you. Got a strong opinion on one side. 800-400-9741. Good job, my friend. Appreciate it, Lee. We'll talk to you again right back here next week. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Lee Sterling, folks, ParamountSports.com as we continue here on the show. All right, up next, we've got a lot more in store for you, including Jeff Erickson. Then, a little bit later, Lane Frank coming back to the Lubingo Studios for a uh, third visit. I'm excited about that, and uh, we'll talk uh, plenty more NFL with Lane here on the show. But first, let's go to Charlie One. He's standing by with this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue right now, 19 past the hour. Say hello to this man, uh, Jeff Erickson, Paramount. Uh, actually, I was going to say Paramount Sports. We just did Paramount Sports with Lee Sterling. Jeff is with uh, RotoWire.com, your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. So many guests, so little time. Jeff, welcome back. How are you today? I am hectic, but good. We are too. Uh, just another uh, busy day in this world. Uh, all good, though. I gotta get you back on the Zoom calls, man. I I miss seeing your face during these interviews. It was it was fun when we were doing that for a while. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. I have to go do the backyard special again. I miss those. Oh man, I'm, I miss them too. How are the uh, avocados doing? Hey, they're in season. I'm about ready to pick, actually. Oh my god! Uh, and it's Definitely. every other year, so this is the year. I love that. That is terrific. Uh, meanwhile, I uh, I just got a tweet from Esteban who tweets. Lavinia Winery Harvest Festival in La Union is this weekend. It's true. Matter of fact, I have tickets, Esteban. And the first, um, let's just say, four callers that that give us a fantasy question for Jeff. So if you've got a fantasy football or fantasy baseball question for Jeff, if you want to go to Lavinia this weekend, all you got to do is just call in to Adrian at 505-6009. You can give him your question. Adrian will pass it along. We will get you there. We will send you to Lavinia's uh, Winery Harvest Festival this weekend. So good job, Esteban. I'm happy you uh, pointed that out. And, yes, we will do that for the first four callers that uh, send any fantasy-related questions for Mr. Erickson. But in the meantime, as we get uh, going here on uh, Sports Talk, let's begin with the, the fantasy football fallout. I had some of the highest scores in the league that I was commissioning this past weekend because there were some incredible offensive performances being put up. Which is weird because league-wide scoring is actually down, but it's concentrated in some in certain players. So if and you, if you had that right combination, you really it was really nice to pull it off. So you know if you had Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts on Monday night, you were feeling pretty good along with Stephon Diggs. 
uh, if you had the Bucks defense, yep. uh, that felt really good. Uh, th- there was a few others that had some significant roles, too. But it was kind of funny because league-wide scoring is down over 10% so far. It is strange. I was going to say Tua must have given you an unbelievable performance. Oh, yeah. Tua, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, absolutely. Those guys were awesome. Yeah, and we don't know if it's going to hold up or if it's just going to be like a, a one-week thing. That's a deal. I mean, you kind of expect it from Josh Allen every week, and maybe now people are starting to think that, man, you know what? All this talk about Jalen Hurts, he's got a chance to be really good because of, of what he can do on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and he, he's a better passer this year, too. It helps that he's got better targets. Uh, you know, who do you stop? Do you start? Do you try to focus on A.J. Brown? Okay, well, Devontae Smith will kill you. If you want to focus on that, okay, Dallas Goddard will kill you. And there's still a team that can really run the ball, too. They've got a really good offensive line. It's a perfect combination there. It is. It absolutely is. They've, they've got a little bit of everything, which is what mm-hmm. uh, fantasy owners love. Although, um, you know, you look at other guys that are getting it done right now. Um, is Patrick Mahomes having a very quiet start to the season? Because you don't hear all the buzz about Mahomes like you hear about some of the other quarterbacks. And maybe it's because he's been doing it for so many years, we're kind of spoiled. A quiet, good start. And, of course, you know, he's spreading it around, especially in Week 2. He really lit it up uh, against the Cardinals, not as much against the Chargers in prime time. Uh, of course, the Chargers are a tougher opponent. Um, and so he struggled a little bit. But then he hits with Justin Watson, of all people. The fact that Juju hasn't scored yet and Kelsey only has one touchdown, I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons why it's a little quieter. With, with like, Allen, it's his main guy. Diggs yep. is going off. You know, it's a little different. I drafted Sky Moore thinking he was going to be the next flavor of the month of wide receiver, and he's only playing on special teams right now for Casey. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I, he's actually a cut for me right now in one yeah. of my leagues. So, I don't blame you. Um, don't love it, but, you know, it's because in a keeper league, it would be a whole lot different. And if you draft him in a dynasty league, you're like, oh, I've got my shiny new toy. Let's get him out. Let's unwrap. Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. You know, you still might want to hold, you know, if you're in a dynasty or keeper league, be patient because yeah. you can, you should afford to be. Otherwise, uh, you know, in a, in a redraft, I wouldn't mind even cutting him right now. First big quarterback casualty, Trey Lance out for the season uh, after getting hurt last week. I guess uh, San Francisco wasn't too uh, too dumb uh, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on board and not trading him this offseason. Yeah, well, you could see it a little in the preseason game against the Texans that they weren't comfortable with their current backup options. Uh, Nate Sudfeld looked terrible through a couple picks in that one there. And like, um, we better keep him, especially uh, with them playing a divisional rival in week two. Uh, looking at their tough schedule to start everything off, I, I think it was crazy like a fox there. And they were able to restructure that contract to make it work out. They were. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Jimmy G, would you put his fantasy prognosis in line to where you've, like the last few years in San Francisco, pretty much the same thing? Yeah, 15 to 20 range. I mean, okay. he's not going to run a whole lot. He's not going to be someone that uh, you're going to start on a regular basis unless you're in a QB flex league, which case then he's an absolute target and you should spend a lot of fab money to get him. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's the difference in super flex versus a normal quarterback league, and I prefer super flex because of that. I think QBs like him should be really valued. You've got him higher than Cooper Rush. We'll say that. Yeah, uh, Cooper Rush looked all right, but they really put the governor switch on in the second half of that game. I think he might have been solved a little bit, too. Um, and the Giants quietly have a pretty decent defense. It's on the road. Uh, I, I don't think this was going to be a great setup for him this week. I know getting Michael Gallup back helps, uh, and I'm assuming Gallup comes back, but I still don't think it's perfect. 
even though you've got an owner right now who said he will welcome a quarterback controversy in Dallas? Um, that would only because he's implying that Cooper Rush is playing really well. I yes, think. exactly. But, uh, but you know, Jerry has a way of turning a phrase. <laughs> he does. It always happens with Jerry Jones. That's exactly right. Hey, meanwhile, I know a lot of Joe Burrow owners that are worried right now because if there's one constant with Burrow throughout his career, you wonder how come he takes such a pounding at quarterback. Some of it's on him. Uh, he holds the ball too long for sure. Uh, but most of it is that it's taken a while for this offensive line to gel. And it's going to, you know, they didn't play together at all in the preseason. They barely practiced together in training camp because Burrow had the appendectomy. Lyle Collins, oh, he looks like, you know, he, he looks like the game has passed him by a little bit there. Micah Parsons, is, is, admittedly, is a really tough opponent, but he owned him in that game. He did. He did. Now, speaking of owning, um, I feel like uh, as a Tom Brady owner, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant playing him right now as my starting quarterback. Yep. I, I'm, I'm really thinking about other options, which crazy enough include Jared Goff. Am I insane uh, playing Jared Goff over a guy like Tom Brady? Take a look at my updated rankings, and you'll say that no, you are not insane. Uh, I mean, Brady, look at his targets. Godwin's going to be out. Jones is going to be out. Evans is going to be out. Fournette's, you know, had two limited practices. He's going to play, I think. But, you know, his top receiver could be Brashad Perriman or Scotty Miller or Cole Beasley. It's not pretty. Um, Russell Gage is going to play, but Russell Gage is a pop gun guy anyhow. I mean, uh, this is this is a tough spot, and it's against a really good Packers defense. I think this is – and you can see it reflected in the line. The Packers are actually favored in this one. And, and Brady himself is dealing with a uh, bad ring finger on his throwing hand too. So there's lots of reasons to not start him this week. Watch him make a fool out of us and throw for 300 and four touchdowns, but you never know. You've got Aaron Jones right now ranked 12th uh, in, your, in your rankings. So 12th against – and that's probably just because Tampa has such a good defense, right? Yeah, 12th is – Twelfth is starting. Twelfth uh, is an, an insult. You know that's good. Um, and yeah, and Tampa Bay is is a tough team to run against, though. Very tough team to run against. Yeah, well, that's that is true. Um, and and that's and I and I know that in the past they've they've given you know Green Bay some difficulty. Although again, after Chicago, and I preface it, Chicago, so many people are saying right now that Jones and Dylan are, are the best one-two punch in the NFL. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, they're definitely the highest combination of backs being drafted. Chubb and Hunt would be second, I would guess, for the uh, one-two punch. But, yeah, I mean, and they found a way to get them both on the field sometimes, too. Uh, this, they, Jones is their best pass catcher right now, and, and, and Dylan's a great between-the-tackles guy. Uh, but Jones is even even adept at that, too. So, uh you know, they, they really utilized them well against the Bears. We'll see against the Bucks how it works out. Could you see Jeff Wilson becoming a top 10 running back option uh, in, in San Francisco? I think you'd have to squint to see that, because I don't know if he has that dynamic upside personally. I, I think that the team, is, the team context is good. He's going to get a good workload. I, I don't know how dynamic he is, though. So I, I think on his best days, he's a top 10 back. Uh, but I, I don't think the cumulative uh, production will get there. We'll see. I mean, okay. he's going to definitely get that opportunity for the next eight weeks. Um, speaking of uh, backs with opportunities, Antonio Gibson right now, you've got him 16th on your value meter. Is that about where you think you'll start to see the Washington running back week to week? Yeah, I think so. We'll see what happens when Robinson comes back. But one thing I like about Gibson that gives him a little bit of a force, he's a good pass catcher too. 
True enough. Uh, injuries still to deal with right now. Alvin Kamara, do you think uh, we'll get a chance to see him this weekend against Carolina? Yeah, I'm going to rank him as if I'm going to play him. Uh, but I think he's going to be limited in his touches. I don't think it's a full-on Kamara. I think uh, that's something to watch for. If he has a full practice tomorrow, maybe I'll change my tune a little bit. But he's limited so far this week, both Wednesday and Thursday. Give me your thoughts on veteran rest days. I saw you make that in your notes for Christian McCaffrey. Do you believe that, that guys should have what they consider just a designated rest day as a vet? I think it, it varies from the team-to-team, uh, -team, player-to-player. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know. I, I don't know what, how, whether that's wise or foolish or you know necessary in some cases. With McCaffrey, yeah, you, he's your prize asset. You want him to be uh, able to recover. I think the Niners did that a bit with Debo last year, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think it did too. You're right. Bottom of the hour, more with Jeff as we continue. We've already got one Lavinia winner, Pinky, who called in. It's a good fantasy baseball question, which I'll get to Jeff during our next segment. In fact, uh, if you want in... 505-6009. All you got to do is throw a question Jeff's way. We'll ask it. You win the tickets to Lavinia this weekend. That's simple. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Again, if you've got a fantasy question and you want to go to Lavinia this weekend, give us a call, 505-6009. You give your question to, uh, to Adrian, and we'll pass it along as we continue right now with uh, Jeff Erickson here from Rotowire. Hey, uh, meanwhile, um, I'm, I'm excited. I guess if you're a uh, Justin Herbert uh, fantasy owner, you got to be excited hearing that uh, he's starting to feel a little bit better despite the fracture to his rib cartilage. Yeah, uh, that he had the limited practice yesterday. It seemed like today was a little bit better. We'll see. Tomorrow's going to be a big practice, but usually with quarterbacks, you know, kind of earlier rather than later because, you know, you have to install an offense for the new quarterback. And I know nobody wants to see a whole Chase Daniel game, so uh, no. we'll, we'll see. But it looks like it's going to be pretty good for him. Uh, we'll see what tomorrow happens. I'm just hoping we also get Keenan Allen back as well. You want to make sure that if you do get Herbert, he's got all his weapons. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, I, Allen was limited both yesterday and today. We'll watch that one closely. But I'm, to the, I'm expecting him to play and to the point where I'm even considering dropping Josh Palmer in leagues where if I need the spot, I, I'm willing to go that route. Who do you love tonight in the Steelers-Browns matchup for owners that might have players on both teams and kind of debating whether to start or sit guys? I mean, it's, it's really Nick Chubb is the only guy I love and even love might even be a strong uh, phraseology. I think Deontay Johnson will get his, but I am worried about Mitch Trubisky. I think this could, you know, Thursday games t typically are a little sloppy anyhow, and let's face it, both teams have kind of court uh, quarterback situations that are kind of ugly, so I'm not thinking this is going to be a shootout. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, we've, we've had these expectations, but it's one of the lower projected totals for the week. As far as Najee Harris goes, do you like Harris uh, tonight, or do you think that he's going to be struggling? I turned down a trade offer for Harris today in a dynasty league. I'm I'm more than worried. I don't I think the foot thing is going to bother him all season long and I don't trust this offensive line. He might get a little on track today, but uh I, I think it's going to be a problem all season long. All right. As far as guys you really love this week, players that might not be your regular uh, you know, go-tos, who are some of your uh, you know, some of your NFL uh, NFL fantasy uh, players you really recommend starting this week? Well, we mentioned earlier, Jared Goff. Um, I, I've got him at 11 in my quarterback rankings this week. I think he's, there's a really good chance that they're going to be a little bit of a shootout here against Minnesota. I hope that materializes as, I'm, uh, as I expect, because I think both sides are going to look pretty good here. So that's one uh, on the quarterback side of things. 
Running back-wise, I want to see what happens in San Francisco. You mentioned Jeff Wilson earlier. Last week, Tyrion Davis-Price got 14 carries. He's now out with a high ankle sprain for multiple weeks. Is it going to be uh, Jordan Mason, the rookie out of Georgia Tech? That's the number two. Is it going to be Marlon Mack that they just called up from the practice squad? Or is it none of the above, and it's just going to be all Wilson? I, w- I want to see how they do that, and will it be effective against a pretty good Denver defense? That's one one I'm definitely watching closely. Players you're avoiding. Let's hear the list. Um, okay, let, let's take Tom Brady. Let's start right there again. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Um, I'm worried about Matt Ryan. I think he looked terrible against the Jaguars. I don't think it was just a function of no Michael Pittman. I think it was also that this was a Matt Ryan problem. So for year five in a row, the Colts have uh, an issue at quarterback where they think they've addressed it and they've just put like a, a Band-Aid over a gaping hole. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know if it's going to fix things uh Running back wise, uh, I'm I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, if you ha- if you drafted Travis Etienne in the third round, you want to you know you're not very happy right now. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, that that's a situation I'm going to watch closely. I think the game flow will be a little bit different this week because I think the Jaguars will be trailing in this game, so they'll probably need to throw the ball more often, which means that Etienne will get a little bit more. But James Robinson is definitely the guy there now. Um, I, so I, I think he you know that that's probably a positive situation. Uh, I, I think that uh, Damian Harris may not be great this week against the uh, Ravens. We'll watch and see what happens with that one there. But uh, you know, you know, we're, no one's really kind of going out of their way to start Damian Harris anyhow. He, he's a guy. He's useful. He's fine, but he's not uh, not crazy. Watch Arizona. Watch the action, uh, the reports on James Conner. You might see a lot of Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin this week instead of Conner. So I, I don't think either is a great start against the Rams though. Question came in. This was our uh, Lavinia winner from uh, Pinky. Now, let me preface this by saying he's a guy that doesn't play fantasy but is a huge baseball fan. He wants to know, with Aaron Judge approaching history, just how valuable is Aaron Judge when it comes to fantasy? So our earned auction value calculator said he's been the most valuable player in fantasy this year. And it's not just the power. Keep in mind, he's, he's hitting for average. You know, you're getting all the counting stats, runs, and RBI, but he's also stolen 16 bases, career high by far for him. That's that's huge in a in a league where stolen bases are down. You know that getting that, and he's also in power's down across the league. He's 20 homers ahead of everybody else. That's a, that's unreal. That's that's like Babe Ruth levels of domination there. So it, incredible season, clear number one player this year. The question is. I think the, the interesting question is, what do you do about the, him next year? Because he wasn't a first-round pick. He wasn't a second-round pick because he always seemed to get hurt. Batting average was always a little bit of a risk, um, and you know he just didn't run that much. But he's having this incredible year. It, it is a contract year. We'll see where he ends up next year, if he's back in pinstripes or if he's elsewhere after signing to make a contract elsewhere uh, because that, that might dictate a lot about how we feel. But you know, do you take him first overall this year, next year? That's the question. Big question. All right, meanwhile, you got uh, everything going on at uh, rotowire.com. Give me an article you want to profile for your football uh, fans and, and for your baseball fans as well. Sure. Uh, we've referred to my uh, my uh, uh, value meter where I start and sit them column on rotowire, but there's another one called Exploiting the Matchups with some really interesting start-sits recommendations. You were asking about that earlier there, um, and it, it really does a good job of diving into that. So check that out on baseball. Uh, you know, we're just still, all of our guys are cranking out the content all the way through the end of the season. I'm proud of them for that. Ryan Roof's got a great closer article that he rolls every week, our free agent articles. We have a midweek one that comes out every Thursday in addition to uh, the ones on Sunday. So 
Got you covered on a lot of different angles. You guys can all check it all out for free with a tr- uh, free trial. It's not 10 days anymore, but it is a free trial. You don't need a credit card. We want you to kick the tires and see if you like the site. Hopefully you do. We th- we're confident you will, um, and you hopefully you'll subscribe. So check it out, rotowire.com slash free. Terrific stuff, Jeff. Appreciate it as always. We'll look forward to doing it again with you right back here next week. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Jeff Erickson, folks, uh, from rotowire.com. 39 past the hour. When we come back, uh, he's back, folks. Lane Frank, and he brought merch. We'll tell you about it next as Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk continues. 47 past the hour. He's back, folks. We've got him. Lane Frank with us right now, the host of uh, Schoolyard Sports. Uh, it is the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, and he brought he brought us uh, a couple of really nice ball caps. Adrian, you're wearing the white Schoolyard Sport uh, baseball cap. I've got the blue one on, which, by the way, this is Coronado uh, T-Bird colors, yep. um, and it looks like yours is even maybe kind of like like a Franklin Cougar color, which you went to Franklin, so that's good. You know what? Mine also has the Coronado feel. I like it. I love the Coronado colors. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with that. I'm I'm not trying to knock uh, Coronado here on the show, but you I'm also not. telling you he goes to cor- he goes to Coronado. Be careful what you say about my alma mater. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say these hats are very comfy. I I feel like this is like Concrete Hills type of hat right here. Uh, I love it. So thank you so much, Lane. I appreciate the gift. Of Good course, idea. of course. Yeah, got to get the hats. I think I was shooting more for a Michigan type of feel, not a Cornell type of feel. You know, Michigan, maize and blue and white. So I was kind of shooting for that when I made these hats. Well, I'm happy you made them uh, both, Michigan and Coronado. Congratulations. I mean, just just take credit. Just say, yes, yeah, Steve. I was thinking about Coronado the whole time. That's where I go to school, and I wanted to give it a Coronado look. Even just 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 lie. That's 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 my best advice. Of course, you? Steve. It was there just for Coronado. Just for Coronado. Perfect. That's good. Hey, by the way. Last week in our um, Chick-fil-A Sun Bowl uh, Pick'em contest, you went 7 out of 10, which, granted, was better than me. I, had a, I went 6 out of 10. Adrian went 7 out of 10. But Bernie Olivas went 9 out of 10. How did that happen, Lane? Because um, we were expecting you to go 10 out of 10, win every game, and and win the prize. So how did you how did you actually lose three games? It still stings. All right. So that yes. Purdue game, Purdue should have won that game against Syracuse. Garrett Schrader, what a throw that was! I think it was on fourth down to win the game. What a game that was! Texas Tech obviously got wrong there. Michigan State, I don't know why I picked them to win over Washington, uh, Washington, but Washington won that game. So yeah, it was it pained me to go seven out of ten. But yeah, Bernie went nine out of ten. That's crazy. I saw Adrian got up a little bit on me on the leaderboard there. He went he seven did. out of ten. He did. Did you pick this week yet or no? I just did. I think All I right. did this morning. That's good. So. By the way, as a Michigan diehard, is there anything worse than knowing that their rivals just cost you a game in a pick'em contest? I mean, here you are. You finally get excited. You pick Michigan State to win, and they burn you. That's If you're a Michigan fan, that's got to be the worst, right? Man, it burns. It's like when you give someone who the world's against, a player who everybody hates, you give them some credit, and then they go out in the field and absolutely do nothing. That's kind of yes. what I did with Michigan State there. And I'm going to the Michigan-Michigan State game, Halloween weekend. It's going to be a night game. So I kind of want the Michigan State to be undefeated going to that game like they were last year. Makes it better if they if they lose, right? That's the way it works. I guess, yeah. Hey, explain to me, because I've never been. Explain to me what a Michigan home football game is like. What is that experience like? You can't hear yourself think inside that stand. So they got the amazing 
pregame with the James Earl Jones going, the intro, and then right before kickoff, they got the Seven Nation Army going. They got the entire crowd going crazy. They got what the- is the Seven Nation Army? What is that? I've never been to a game there, so explain to me what the Seven Nation Army is. So you know the song Seven Nation Army? They'll play the beat of it. So right before the kickoff, mm-hmm. everybody in this game is going crazy. The sideline is throwing benches. It's going crazy. The whole entire environment, right after they touch the banner, right after they're done warming up, is the best environment in college football. One thing I will say, though, if you go to an NFL stadium or a different stadium, it, it's built differently. There's more area. It seems like when I went to the Seattle Seahawks stadium, it felt like it was bigger than mm-hmm. Michigan stadium, but it really isn't because Michigan stadium is 100,000 fans that's and right. Seahawks is Lumen Field is 60,000 fans. So that's what I'll say right there. Um, have you been to every big Michigan game uh, over the years? Like uh, not, not recently, but like, have you seen Ohio State? I have not seen Ohio State. So you have not seen Michigan, yeah. Ohio State. That's, no, no, that's got to happen. Uh, I wanted to go last year, but I got COVID that weekend. So. Oh, seriously? So you had tickets, and then you ended up having COVID, and you couldn't go? Pretty much. Okay, so when you, you get it to do it, what, in two years? Is that Or next year will be it for you? Is that probably right? Yep. So Next year you get to see Michigan, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So have last, you, yeah. Who else have you seen? Now, has Michigan played Notre Dame at Michigan? So I went to Michigan, Notre Dame 2019 and a couple years before, but I was like a baby then. But yeah. Michigan, Notre Dame 2019, it is pouring rain. It is a complete thunderstorm. They're still playing. It's like a 50-minute delay in the game. It's crazy. Ian Book couldn't even like hear himself think. He was literally mud all over his face. Michigan dominated that game. That made me happy. And then last year I went to the Michigan Maze Out versus Washington. I mean, that's better than the whiteout Penn State. The Maze Out Michigan it's going to be against Penn State this year. It's going to be amazing. When you were a baby, were you the same as you are now? Like, were you one of these kids that wouldn't stop talking about sports, even when you were like five, six, seven years old and just kind of telling everybody, look at all that, and you're throwing stats out and all that kind of stuff too? Honestly, probably not. Probably not until 2015. 2015 was Jim Harbaugh's first season at Michigan. Uh, and the year. the year the Mets mm-hmm. made the World Series. So that's probably, that's probably when I got into sports. That's the year that launched you. You were seven. As a seven-year-old, you decided this is going to be my life. Well, when you put it like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I agree with that. I guess I decided to make that my life. I think I was writing, like, books about Michigan football when I was, like, in second grade, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Adrian, we could appreciate this, can't yes. we? Yes, yeah. This is this is what being a sports fan is all about and, and becoming a, a media personality. you got to have a passion for this. You have to have love for sports. And if you don't love it, then why, why be in this business? So, yeah, I, I can appreciate this at a, at a very high level. I, I remember watching Texas, Alabama, getting my heart broken as a Longhorn fan back in 2009 and thinking to myself, well, yeah, I, I love sports. I love, the, I love talking about this kind of stuff. And I, I just remember how much that heartbreak was there when, when I was watching the Longhorns. So I, 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 I love this. I believe it. Hey, by the way, I noticed something on your new podcast you've got up right now, which is if you don't follow Schoolyard Sports a podcast, you need to. You have something that's called What Lane Would I Take? Is that something that you've been doing for a while or is that a new feature? That's something I've been doing for a while, but it hasn't really been every week. I try to make it a segment every week. So if I have a segment and I just really want to talk about saying, like, a decision. If I was mm-hmm. Jerry Jones, would I go with Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott if Cooper Rush plays amazing? That would be technically a what lay would I take type of segment. That but they're not on every week, not on every week. Okay, so because I always thought we were going to do Stay in Your Lane, which would be a, a fun uh, a fun playoff, your first name, too. So, so the point is there's so many ways to play with Lane. We can do it. But you've got what lane, um, again, what lane would I take as part of uh, your weekly podcast? Which what is it? Does it drop again today? It drops again today. It should be dropping in like an hour. I know the audio is about to drop, and then the video should be dropping later tonight. So you can see that on YouTube, 
Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all at Squared Sports. I liked it. And you threw out the uh, and you also threw out the challenge of Pat McAfee last week. You got over five thousand views. Yep, yep. People had a chance to see it. There were some very snarky people on social <laughs> media. They're jealous as far as I'm concerned. But uh, hey, that's what it's all about, man. You gotta just uh, you know, you gotta put yourself out there, right? You gotta just embrace it. I saw that. I liked it. It's cool. I like it too. All right, listen, when we come back, I want to talk NFL with you, okay? And we're gonna talk about a new feature we're gonna do with you every week. This is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to involve you and our listeners. And we'll explain when we come back, okay? Okay, perfect. Good. More with Lane Frank as we continue. Sports Talk back right here, 600 TSPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, final hour. Lane Frank with us. We're going to continue our conversation in a moment. But first, Adrian, you've got our new physical fitness tip of the day. What is your tip for our listeners here today, Adrian? Thanks, Steve. That's exactly right. Here's your fitness tip of the day presented by Physical Athletics, the best place to start your fitness journey. This one coming in today, don't forget to recover after a workout. That's where progress is actually made. During your workout, you break down your body and you stress your body. And it's during the recovery process where your body body adapts and gets stronger. Uh, Physical Athletics is now accepting new clients. They've got athletes 8 years old all the way up to the professional level right now. They've got adults 20 years old all the way up to 80 years old of age for beginners and intermediate levels. It's never too late to start your fitness journey. Started with Physical Athletics with two locations across El Paso off Joe Battle and Eastlake. You can get a free one-week trial and see what they're about. You can call or text them at 915-996-4476 to get started with Physical Athletics. Awesome stuff. All right. Um, We're going to move it to the NFL with Lane Frank, who's here with us right now. Again, he's got the Schoolyard Sports uh, podcast going on. It's going to drop tonight. It drops every Thursday, which is perfect because Lane's going to be here on that night. So, uh, by the way, give my my listeners a little bit of a preview. What are you talking about on the podcast here tonight, Lane? So uh, tonight it was pretty much talk a little bit about Max Scherzer. That was pretty much all the MOB news this week. Talk about his almost... Perfect game, then Tyler McGill blowing up a little bit there. Talked a little bit about the Angels and that so much in the NFL, so much in college football, talking a little bit about the Trey Lance situation, a couple mm-hmm. other situations. So, yeah, basically the episode. Did we talk about Aaron Judge, who has tied Babe Ruth as of today? We did talk about Aaron Judge, but the thing that was annoying was I record every Tuesday and release on Thursdays. So when he ah. broke, the, so when he tied the home run record, it was Tuesday in the afternoon, and then Tuesday night he hit it. That's the tough part about uh, these podcasts, right? You exactly. record, and then next thing you know, something big happens, and you can't always get all that stuff in. I get it, but that's fun. It's coming up tonight again. Uh, all the possible uh, channels: YouTube, Instagram. What else? Uh, what else? Is Schoolyard Sports a part of? We're on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much any social media platform, any podcast platform if you want to listen to the audio. So that's Spotify, Google Podcast, App Podcast. Okay, good. Now, uh, Sean Payton says he wants to come back in 2023 if the right job is there. I, you sh- what are you you're shaking your head at me? It's not happening unless it's the Cowboys. It's that's, not happening. That's the thing. I think it could be the Cowboys because if they have a tough year – you know Mike McCarthy is already on uh, He's on his way out because I don't think that Jerry's going to keep him on board if they don't start winning playoff games. I could easily see Sean Payton with the Dallas Cowboys in 2023. Um, they'd, have to give them, they'd have to give some compensation to the Saints, apparently, but uh, I think that makes the most sense, don't you? 
I do for the Cowboys, but would Sean Payton really want to go into that situation of Dak Prescott as his quarterback, or is it somebody else? I don't know about that. Maybe a better situation for Sean Payton, and I don't know if that situation is out there. I don't know either. I think that uh, he knows Jerry. He's one of the few people that uh, maybe Jerry would leave alone and not try and um, you know overmanage like he has some other people. So maybe it, maybe it works. It could be possible. I mean, Jerry wants to hire a guy who he can have as Thanksgiving dinner, even though they play things on Thanksgiving. So Mike McCarthy was that guy. Jason Garrett was that guy. Sean Payton can be that guy. Yep, I agree. Now, speaking of Jerry, he says he's welcoming a quarterback controversy because that would mean that Cooper Rush is doing good things in Dallas. Uh, Dak will be back probably in the next couple of weeks. You saw what Cooper did in the first two drives last week against Cincinnati. Two touchdowns. They end up holding on and winning that game. Um, can the Cowboys play 500 football with Cooper Rush the rest of the way until Dak is ready to go? They can play 500 football with Cooper Rush, but in no world is Cooper Rush's starting quarterback over Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is way more talented. I like Cooper Rush. He had a good college career at Central Michigan. He's 2-0 and as a starter, and he can. I don't care if Cooper Rush wins all his games as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. He's not going to throw five touchdowns in a game. I think the most... He'll throw in a game is either two or three. That's good, though, right? Two or three. Cowboy fans will take that. It's good, but he doesn't have a running element. He doesn't have that relationship with the receivers. I mean, Noah Brown, but Noah Brown's on the practice squad with him. You're getting Michael Gallup back. Okay, but CeeDee Lamb had almost no catches last week. Had a really, really bad game. Yes, he did. That's true. But the week before, he was solid, so it's hard to tell. I get what you're saying. The week before was with Dak Prescott. So Right, and then, and then Prescott got hurt at the very end, and then here comes... Yeah, the Cowboys, know. no matter what, will not play twelve and five uh, football. No, this year. I think no. this is the Eagles' division right now, and oh, I've seen far. enough of Jalen Hurts to realize that he looks like the real deal. They've got weapons, and the Eagles look like a, a legitimate force to be reckoned with right now in the NFC East. So, my segment that I do at the end of the episode every week is called "At the Buzzers," where I'll throw out a hot take or an opinion. So, this week I said the Eagles and the Bills are pretty much one A and one B for me right now. Josh Allen is playing like the best player in the NFL, and Jalen Hurts is up there right there, too. The Eagles have every single piece. They have the running backs. They have the wide receivers. They have the tight ends. And they have the defense to get it done. Who counts them out? And now they have a quarterback. Because remember, when Jalen Hurts first arrived in Philly, nobody took him seriously as a potential franchise quarterback. They thought, eh, let's give him a shot. Let's see what he does. And now all of a sudden, everybody is all over the uh, Jalen Hurts bandwagon lane. Well, there's a sense in football where if you can run the ball well as a quarterback, you can't throw the ball. Well, Jalen Hurts can throw the ball, and he can run the ball. That's Lamar right. Jackson can throw the ball, and he can run the ball. Yes, there's some guys who can only run the ball, some guys who can only throw the ball, but those two guys can do both. I'm with you on that. I'm, and I think that Philadelphia, for that reason, is a, is a serious uh, threat. Uh, any s- bigger surprise in football right now than the Giants being 2-0? Well, my New York Giants, and I'm so happy about this right here. Daniel Jones is a game manager. What's wrong about being game manager? There is nothing wrong about being a game manager as long as you keep winning football games. You don't make bad mistakes at the wrong time that could ultimately come back and implode on you. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that uh, thing. I'm not going to call Daniel Jones a game manager. He can run the ball. He puts the ball in harm's danger every single game. But he has that running ability. He has the throwing ability. He's insanely athletic. He has the physical tools. Will Levis, a quarterback in Kentucky, who we all love, I compare him to Daniel Jones. Why not be Daniel? Why not can't 
So listen now, here's the thing. If Daniel has all this talent, right, and he has all these skills, why is it that most people think that Daniel Jones is not an NFL quarterback? Why is there so much dislike and hate towards Daniel Jones if he's as talented as you're saying? Because he's meme-worthy. Okay, he played quarterback at Duke, not a good football team, even though this year they're 3-0, but he didn't go up against that much competition in the ACC. He has those moments where he turns the ball over. A lot of people say, oh, he gets injured. Well, that 2020 season with Joe Judge the Giants had, they would have made the playoffs if Daniel Jones played every game. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you the Giants would have had eight wins last season if Daniel Jones played every game. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. He gets too much hate. That's my opinion. Okay. Uh, tonight on Amazon, we've got Thursday Night Football. Pittsburgh and Cleveland. The good news is somebody's going to win this football game. Uh, the Browns uh, blew one to the Jets, uh, yes, last week, a game that was uh, one of the more improbable two-minute finishes you'll ever see in your entire life. They need a win. The Steelers need a win. First off, how do you like the Amazon production? I thought they actually did a pretty good job with it last week. It's actually pretty interesting. I liked it. You got Kirk Herbstreit calling NFL games. You got Al Michaels calling NFL games. I have Amazon Prime, but for the average person who doesn't have Amazon Prime, that kind of sucks not being able to watch football. It does. That's a good point. Now, some uh, that's the truth. Adrian, we've talked about this. Not everybody has Amazon Prime, which means yeah. there are people that have to go to a sports bar to try to watch Thursday Night Football from now on. Yeah, most definitely. And and this one is kind of an interesting one because we know how many Steelers fans there are out there. Uh, Steelers hoping to get a bounce back win after losing against the Patriots, but I don't know if it's going to come this week against a Browns team that's just uh, super upset in how they finished off their, their loss against the Jets last week. Yeah, I mean, they never should have lost that football game. Let's be honest. And, and, and Nick Chubb said, if I go down and just don't go into the end zone, the Jets are out of timeouts. This is not it. We're not even discussing this. It's a, it's, a, it's a victory for Cleveland. But he goes into the end zone. Nobody knew they would miss the extra point, give up a touchdown pass, give up an onside kick, give up another touchdown pass, and then get picked off to wrap up the game. That is one of the crazier comebacks you'll ever see in football. Hey, he got me 32 fantasy points. He won me my fantasy matchup. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, that's it. Course. That's all you but, all you care about is winning in fantasy. I like that. That's, that's life. The interesting thing, though, is in the 2020 season, they played the Texans. The same exact situation. Nick Chubb breaks off a 60-yard run but goes out of bounds instead of scoring a touchdown. Why didn't he do that here? He probably didn't have that knowledge of doing that yet. He didn't even have to go out of bounds. He could have just fallen down. Exactly. Just just fall out, just just fall down at the three and the game is over. Just yeah. like that. It's as simple as that. All right. I think they lose tonight. I want to know uh, you know, some of the favorite matchups you've got this week. Let me uh, quickly go through some of the better games that we have in the NFL this week. And um, All right, let me give you this one. Uh, Bills and Dolphins. You think this one's going to be a fun game? All right, Tua in his career. I like Tua, but he struggled so much against the Bills. Last game of his rookie season, they win it. They're into the playoffs. They play horrible. Bills are looking like the best team in the NFL. I'm sorry, Tua. You're going to have a good season. Not this week. All right. Are you buying the Jags after what happened last week, especially since they're playing the Chargers? Justin Herbert is not 100%. We don't know what he will be for this game. You know, you saw Trevor Lawrence look good. He gave you some flashes against the Colts last week. Is it enough to think that they can go into, uh, you know, in, into SoCal and win this game? No, nah, I don't think so. I mean, I think that was more on the Colts than on the Jaguars being good. And the Chargers, Brandon Staley, defensive head coach. You saw them get pressure on Derek Carr in week one. You saw them get some pressure on Patrick Mahomes in week two. You better know they're going to get after Trevor Lawrence this week. Rams-Cardinals is going to be fun. That's going to be a good game. I think that's going to be a good I game, too. I think the too. Cardinals win. Well, look what the Cardinals did at the end of that Raiders game last week. Look at how they stole that game and how crazy it was because they scored on the last play of the game. 
Then they get a, a, a penalty that sends them back five yards for the two-point conversion. They still get it, and they end up winning in overtime against the Raiders. Matthew Stafford throws way too many interceptions. I think he's had 10 straight games of multi-interceptions again. That's just that's too much. He throws too many interceptions. Sean McVay can have questionable play calling at time. I know he makes those good play calls, but there's some bad mix in there too. In his career, he's done pretty well against Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but I think the Cardinals ride that high of that win, and they get some more pass catchers involved. Kyler Murray, he showed why he's that $230 million man. He they did. win this week. He was tough. Uh, Adrian, by the way, uh, you picked the uh, Cardinals also over your Rams this no, week, no, Adrian? No, 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 no. The Rams are going to win this one. But uh, going back to going back to you, Lane, uh, there are several 0-2 teams on the season right now. Who do you believe is the worst? I'll, I'll throw out the na- the teams right now. Uh, Bengals are 0-2. Titans are 0-2. Uh, the Vegas Raiders are 0-2 on the season so far. Same with the Falcons, the Panthers. Who, who's, who among those teams do you believe are the worst? I would say right now the Falcons, but I think I don't think any of those teams are 0-16, 0-17 worthy. I think the teams that are maybe 1-1 have the higher chance to be a number one draft pick. Most of those teams on that list made the playoffs last year. Titans were the number one seed. Raiders made the playoffs. Bengals made the Super Bowl. Panthers could be a good team with Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey. Falcons so- showed some grit last week against, I mean, against the Rams. So, yeah, I think maybe a team who's 1-1 right now could be the worst team in the NFL season. I'm worried about the Panthers. You Baker are. Mayfield does not look good at all right now, Lane. He'll Doesn't look back. good. He'll get back. Everybody thinks that Carson Wentz is playing so well right now, which he is, and I'm happy about that, but Baker Mayfield can do that too. Baker Mayfield has talent. You saw that in the 2020 season. I know. He got hurt last season. Everybody likes to say, oh, the Browns were terrible last season. Well, he had COVID. He got hurt. He had a shoulder injury. But it's a ticking Don't time bomb. Baker. No, he's not. You don't he's, think so? He's so talented. You know right. Baker Mayfield has the record for the longest thrown pass in the air in NFL history? No, how many yards? I think it was seventy-five. Really, Baker Mayfield? Did, did you know that? Adrian, Adrian had no, no idea. That's awesome. That's, like a good, that. that's a good random stat you just dropped on us today, Lane. I had no clue about that. He's a small guy, Baker, but he he's is. a good quarterback. He's a really, really good quarterback, in my opinion. You saw it at Oklahoma. You saw it in that twenty twenty season with the Browns. Put him under a good head coach, and Matt Rule really isn't that good of a head coach. But I mean, Ben McAdoo isn't very good the offense coordinator. Take matters into your own hands. Play well. Utilize Christian McCaffrey. We saw Sam Darnold and the Panthers go 3-0 last season because he utilized Christian McCaffrey well. Do that, Baker Mayfield, and you'll win. I want to tell our listeners about a new segment we're going to be introducing uh, starting next week with you, okay? Because you're going to be here now um, weekly on this radio show. Excited so you're going to be, uh, we're excited about having you weekly. It's going to be fun. And here's what we're going to do. We've given our listeners a little taste of what this is going to be like. But next week, starting next week, it's going to be you against a listener. One-on-one every week. We're probably going to go either five to ten NFL games. We'll figure out how many we're going to do. And you and the listener will pick head-to-head. And if you outpick the listeners, they don't win anything. But if you lose to the listeners then they're going to win uh, a really nice prize from us. So oh, I like this. I want to see how many weeks we can play this contest before the listeners actually win something. I don't think it's a if the uh, listener outpicks me, uh, if I uh, pick the listener. I think it's a, if a when I outpick the listener. Nobody's going to outpick me. I don't know. Look what happened Nobody's last week. Pick. Look what happened last week with okay, seven Tiger. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, it's not that okay, bad. Okay, it was a tough week. It was a tough week. Okay. Not Okay, but nobody here at Oregon. Did you have Oregon? Uh, No. Okay. No, so. did not have Oregon. So I still don't have Oregon. Yeah, but. So, all right. That's fine. I'll get my NFL picks. 
Fair enough. I'm looking forward to it. So you're going to join us right back here every Thursday. We'll get a listener on board, and we will go head-to-head with that listener. And if the listener outpicks you straight up, not against the spread, because I'm not going to put a 14-year-old picking games against the point spreads, which is not legal. So we will make these straight-up games. And then if the listener outpicks you, they win a prize. If not, um, they just have to try again next week. We'll get, get a different listener, see if somebody can do it. 